Welcome to the June 18th, 2020 episode of Blood Podcast, your source for innovative ideas and cutting-edge information. Our topics are based on articles published in Blood, a journal of the American Society of Hematology. Today, we'll review a study focusing on the causes and impact of the inflammation of aging on hematopoietic stem cell function, learn about the potential influence of the endothelial cell protein C receptor in the pathogenesis of hemophilic arthropathy, and assess a novel function of G-protein pathway suppressor 2 on erythropoiesis. First, let's examine data presented in the blood article entitled Altered microRNA expression links IL-6 and TNF-induced inflammaging with myeloid malignancy by Jennifer Grants from BC Cancer Center in Canada and her colleagues. Healthy hematopoietic stem cells, or HSCs, maintain a lifelong supply of blood cells. However, as we age, we experience significant changes in the hematopoietic system. These changes include an increased incidence of myeloid malignancy and impaired hematopoietic stem cell function associated with increased low-grade systemic inflammation. Inflammation of aging, known as inflammaging, has been linked to a number of age-related diseases, including obesity, diabetes, arthritis, and heart disease. Furthermore, it has been proposed that inflammaging is a driver of age-related changes in HSC function, as well as a contributor to the development of age-related myeloid malignancy. Since several microRNAs have been shown to regulate inflammation, Grants et al. examined the expression of microRNAs and messenger RNAs in a series of 102 patients with AML, comparing older and younger patients. Genes encoding mediators of inflammation, such as IL-1, IL-6, and TNF, were overexpressed in older patients with AML. Interestingly, when they looked for microRNAs that correlated with the presence of inflammatory cytokines, one microRNA, MER146A, emerged as the single lead candidate. MER146A is located on chromosome 5Q and may be deleted in a subset of deletion 5Q syndrome patients. It has also been shown to repress innate immune signaling. Low levels of MER146A were found to be associated with poor prognosis in older AML patients and were associated with evidence of inflammaging. Dr. Grants next assessed the importance of MER146A in mouse models of aging and AML utilizing several functional and state-of-the-art genomics approaches. Knockout of MER146A was found to promote premature HSC aging and inflammation in young mice, often preceding development of aging-associated myeloid malignancy. The investigators also found that loss of MER146A depleted a subpopulation of primitive, quiescent HSCs. According to the report, DNA methylation and transcriptome profiling implicated NF-kappa-B, IL-6, and TNF as potential drivers of HSC dysfunction in MER146A knockout mice, activating an inflammatory signaling relay promoting IL-6 and TNF secretion from mature myeloid and lymphoid cells. 
Interestingly, it was also determined that reducing inflammation by targeting IL-6 or TNF was sufficient to restore single-cell measures of HSC function and subpopulation structure. This was associated with a reduced incidence of hematological malignancy in MER146A knockout mice. Interestingly, MER146A knockout HSCs also exhibited enhanced sensitivity to IL-6 stimulation, indicating that loss of MER146A affects HSC function via both cell extrinsic inflammatory signals and increased cell intrinsic sensitivity to inflammation. Thus, loss of MER146A regulates cell extrinsic and intrinsic mechanisms linking HSC inflammaging to the development of myeloid malignancy. The key points of this study are as follows. Reduced expression of MER146A defines a subgroup of AML patients with poor outcome and aging-associated inflammatory signaling, and reducing IL-6 or TNF-mediated inflammation in MER146A knockout mice prevents premature HSC aging and delays onset of malignancy. In summary, this investigation suggests that MER146A expression is an important factor in AML prognosis. However, the report also raises some important questions. Is MER146A a determinant of initial leukemic transformation in conjunction with well-documented driver mutations? What might be the difference between AML patients and age-matched controls when it comes to hematopoietic MER146A expression? Is the difference in prognosis in AML related to the direct sensitivity of AML blasts to inflammaging signaling? Are non-AML inflammaged HSCs less able to recover within the bone marrow following therapy? More in-depth investigations are necessary to determine whether each mechanism contributes to HSC dysfunction and how we move forward with new therapeutic strategies. Next up, we'll discuss evidence from the blood article entitled Endothelial Cell Protein C Receptor Deficiency or Function-Blocking Antibody protects against joint bleeding-induced pathology in hemophilia mice by John C. Magasetti from the University of Texas Health Science Center at Tyler and colleagues from the Oklahoma Medical Research Foundation. Hemophilic arthropathy is a debilitating degenerative joint disease caused by frequent joint bleeding in hemophilia patients. Hemophilic arthropathy commonly begins with synovitis, characterized by synovial hypertrophy, migration of inflammatory cells, and a high degree of neoangiogenesis in the synovium. This is typically followed by the destruction of articular cartilage and subchondral bone. Iron deposited in the synovium from repeated joint bleeding is thought to play a crucial role in the pathogenesis of hemophilic arthropathy by inducing pro-inflammatory cytokines such as IL-1-beta, IL-6, and TNF. Some patients with hemophilia are treated with factor 7A because they have inhibitors to factor 8 or for other reasons. It has been known for some time that these patients have reduced hemophilic arthropathy for unknown reasons. The authors recently showed that clotting factor 7A binds to endothelial cell protein C receptor 
or EPCR, and displaces protein C from this receptor. This displacement of protein C shuts off the receptor and downregulates its pro-inflammatory signaling. Since inflammation and increased vascular permeability are thought to be major contributors to the development of hemophilic arthropathy following hemarthrosis, the authors sought here to examine the importance of the EPCR in hemophilic arthropathy in more detail. To begin, they generated hemophilia A mice by knocking out factor VIII. This was followed by either knocking out the EPCR or overexpressing the EPCR in these hemophilic mice. Joint bleeding was induced in these mice by needle puncture injury. The investigators then evaluated hemophilic synovitis by monitoring joint bleeding, change in joint diameter, and histopathological analysis of joint tissue sections. EPCR deficiency in hemophilic mice significantly reduced the severity of hemophilic synovitis in subsequent mortality. EPCR deficiency attenuated the elaboration of IL-6, infiltration of macrophages, and neoangiogenesis in the synovium following hemarthrosis. A single dose of R-factor 7a was sufficient to fully prevent the development of hemophilic synovitis in EPCR knockout hemophilic mice. The development of hemophilic arthropathy in EPCR overexpressing hemophilic mice did not significantly differ from that of hemophilic mice with wild-type levels of EPCR. But even three doses of R-factor 7a only partially protected against hemophilic synovitis in these mice. Consistent with the data that complete EPCR deficiency protects against developing hemophilic arthropathy, administration of a single dose of a monoclonal antibody that completely blocks EPCR function markedly reduced hemophilic synovitis in the hemophilic mice subjected to joint bleeding. The blocking monoclonal antibody also strikingly reduced the synovial inflammation, microphage infiltration, and neoangiogenesis that typically precede hemophilic arthropathy. The key points of this study are as follows. EPCR deficiency protects against hemophilic joint disease by reducing joint inflammation. Factor 7a partially blocks EPCR signaling and administration of a single dose of EPCR-blocking antibody attenuates the progression of hemophilic arthropathy in a hemophilia A mouse model. This study therefore identifies EPCR as a potential target for the prevention of hemophilic arthropathy. Now for a review of the report published in Blood entitled G-protein pathway suppressor 2 promotes erythroid differentiation by control of the stability of EKLF protein by Wenbing Ma from the Beijing Institute of Lifeomics and colleagues. In this intriguing report, the authors share details of their discovery of a novel function of G-protein pathway suppressor 2, or GPS2, specifically in promoting erythroid differentiation by stabilizing the erythroid master regulator erythroid crupal-like factor, or EKLF, encoded by the gene KLF1. According to Wenbing Ma et al., mice lacking EKLF develop fatal anemia during fetal liver erythropoiesis 
due to a defect in the maturation of red blood cells and die around embryonic day 14. In addition, loss-of-function mutations in the human KLF1 gene have been associated with various kinds of human hematologic disorders. It is known that EKLF protein levels must be tightly regulated since even KLF1 haploinsufficiency disturbs the regulation of erythropoiesis. EKLF expression and activation are regulated by multiple mechanisms, including control of EKLF RNA transcription, protein stability, subcellular localization, and post-translational modifications. In particular, previous reports show that the stability of EKLF is regulated by the ubiquitin proteasome pathway. EKLF is ubiquitinated in vivo, however, its modification does not rely on a particular internal lysine. The transactivation domain 1 from EKLF has been shown to be able to form non-covalent interactions with ubiquitin, which contribute to ubiquitin-mediated degradation. The GPS2 protein was originally identified during a screen for suppressors of RAS activation in the yeast pheromone response pathway. But GPS2 is also known to play important roles in inflammation, lipid metabolism, and B-cell development. GPS2 is a transcriptional cofactor, which can act as both a transcriptional activator and a repressor. Multiple functional interactions have been reported between GPS2 and transcriptional regulators, including the NCOR1 and SMART co-repressor complex, the histone acetyltransferase P300, and numerous DNA-binding transcription factors. Furthermore, a critical non-transcriptional role of GPS2 in the cytoplasm has been identified. GPS2 may directly inhibit an E3 ubiquitin ligase called UBC13 and modulate the UBC13-mediated ubiquitination events, which are functionally critical for many pathways, including tumor necrosis factor receptors, toll-like receptors, B-cell antigen receptors, and PI3K AKT signaling pathways. In this study, the authors evaluated the role of GPS2 in red cell development. GPS2 was shown to be highly expressed in basophilic erythroblasts and upregulated in reticulocytes purified from fetal mice. Knockdown of GPS2 in human CD34 positive cells reduced erythropoietin-induced erythrodifferentiation both in vitro and in vivo, without affecting myeloid differentiation. Further, in GPS2 knockout mice, fetal liver erythropoiesis was substantially impaired. The authors next evaluated the requirement for GPS2 for the normal function of two transcription factors known to be required for erythroid differentiation, GATA1 and ELK1. Overexpression of GPS2 augmented the function of ELK1, but not GATA1. Further, GPS1 was found to physically interact with ELK1 and increase its expression in erythroid cells. Finally, the authors showed that GPS1 inhibited degradation of ELKF, but did not affect its ubiquitination. These results did not depend on NCOR, but were a unique activity associated with GPS2. Overall, these data indicate that GPS2 is critical for erythroid differentiation, especially erythroblast maturation, 
Mechanistic studies reveal that GPS-2 interacts with ELKF and prevents proteasome-mediated degradation of ELKF protein, thereby increasing the availability of EKLF to activate transcription. For a list of additional authors, as well as more detailed articles and commentaries on which this podcast is based, please go to www.bloodjournal.org. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of Blood Podcast. Thank you for listening.